We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning and welcome to Lagos Worship this Sunday's third Sunday in the season of Advent. If you're able to, would you go ahead and stand with us this morning? Whether you're in the room or watching online, it is such a joy to be able to worship with you. Let's begin this morning by reading from Luke 2 together. Read out loud with you if you would. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's have a little fun. Let's praise God this morning. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. For all to hear. For all to hear. And life to all he brings 
righteousness and the wonder of his love to the wonder of his love to the wonders sometimes to me uh, Christmas songs can feel like oh we're just singing Christmas songs because of the season but what a joy to be able to declare and proclaim that our God rules the world that we live in a kingdom not ruled by man our allegiance is not to a country or a flag but to a king and his kingdom amen as we continue in our worship this morning we're going to declare that with our giving so we're going to have an opportunity to worship with our giving. As the plates go around, let's continue to sing.
Go and have a seat. Kids, come on forward. Pastor Chris is here. He has a word for you this morning. We're going we're gonna to light a candle. I want you to see this. This is what this candle means. We're, we're, we're going to see. We, we've recognized who Jesus is in these other candles. And then today, we're going to light a third candle. And this candle is recognizing Jesus' mission and his ministry and all those wonderful things that Jesus did for us when he came. You did one too? Isn't it fun to light the candles? That's right. That's a perfect one. 
You didn't want to? Okay, we'll, we'll have, we've got a couple more delight in the future days, but let's pray thanking Jesus for his mission today, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be together. Lord, we thank you for your mission, the reason why you came, to seek and save the lost, to bring us hope and to bring us healing. Lord, we thank you and we praise your name. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Well done. Good job. Yeah. Hey, Keith. Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Yeah, Keith can help me preach. Come up here, Keith. First, let me introduce myself. I am Chris Johnson, senior pastor here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, and I'm grateful to be here in Lagos with you today. So thank you for coming and being a part. Now, I would ask you to take one of these Connect Care cards even if you're a member, to, to review it. Because on one side of it, it talks about who we are and the kinds of things that we do. It, it, it begins to explain reverse and what we expect out of reverse. It's an opportunity for prayer requests. But on the other side, for those of you who are visiting today, we would love to have a record of your visit, and I would love to get to know you and to know your name. And the way that we do that is through these Connect Here cards. So if you would take one of those and you can fill it out while we're in the sermon and then give it to us at the end of the sermon. I'll be at the back or or one of other ministers or one of our worship team. If you would give this to us and and we'd love to to get to know you and be in contact with you. So with that said, let's get to our text for today and get out my notes here. We're in uh, Matthew chapter 8 and we're going to read together. Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. So see it in the screens. It'll, it'll be in your bulletin as well. So let's all stand and let's read together Matthew 8, 14 through 17. This then is the text for today. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. May God bless the reading of his word. So I may not look it, but my 20-year reunion is coming up. Next year is my 20-year reunion. How many of you think that makes me old, that my 20-year reunion is coming up? So a few. There's a few of you that... that that's right. I, I think I am getting old if it's a 20-year reunion. But you know, those kinds of things, when you have your 20-year reunion, you see all kinds of people that you haven't seen in 20 years. The the people, they basically look the same with 20 years of age on them. And for some of us, 20 years looks worse than others, right? It's it's one of those things where some of us change dramatically over that time. And in fact, if life has been hard on you, sometimes you can see that in gray hair, right? Sometimes you can see that. Not all gray hair, not all gray hair, but sometimes it manifests itself in that way, right? Sometimes when when life has been hard on you, you can see it physically on your body and who you are. But when you come to these kinds of things and you come to the 20-year reunions, everybody waves and everybody smiles and everybody is happy, and you often hear that same phrase, 
let's catch up sometime. And you hear that phrase over and over again, let's catch up sometimes. And you know, you hear that, there, there's, there's people in your life, you, you tell that too often, let's catch up. And most often that, that phrase never turns into anything. It is so often ineffective, and it so often just becomes this blow-off phrase where we say, let's catch up sometime, and it never actually happens. I'm going to step into my 20-year reunion, and there will be all kinds of people there say, let's catch up sometime, and we won't talk again until the 30-year reunion, 10 years down the line, and we're going to say the same thing. Well, let's catch up sometime, and no one ever takes the time to catch up. Sometimes, even beyond our, 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 our reunions, even just sometimes with family, I can't tell you how often we hear when we have funeral services, and there's people in families that tell each other at funeral service, let's catch up sometime, and they never do until the next funeral, right? And then you say the same thing again, let's catch up sometime, let's catch up sometime. And, and all it is is this 10-second conversation that puts something good into the future. It's a 10-second conversation that says, what we need to do today, we're going to do sometime next, sometime later. And in fact, let's just do it then. And it's a way for us to just kind of pass it off. And sometimes we have the best of intentions. Sometimes we really do want to talk to those people. And in fact, it's heartbreaking to say, I really want to be with you. I want to visit with you. I want to hear your story. But the reality of life is we just don't have time to visit with them. And it just doesn't happen. Now, there are also times we use that just an excuse, right? We, we don't want to talk to that person, and we say, we'll catch up sometime knowing it'll never happen in the future. But the present reality is it doesn't matter what our intentions are. If our intentions are, I, I want to speak to you, it may never happen. And, and if I don't want to talk to you, it's not going to ever happen. And then in reality, it just falls flat. There's no, we're going to catch up later. Now, the difficulty for us is that pattern of behavior is a default part of our life that weakens relationships, and it becomes such a habit. We say, let's catch up sometimes. It becomes such a habit, such a habitual phrase, that we begin to use it with our Lord. And Jesus Christ comes near, and we say, let's catch up sometime. Even when we have the best of intentions, let's catch up sometimes. Jesus, I'll have time tomorrow. Or sometimes we have not so good of intentions and we just want to push Jesus off into the future for a different day. Even so many of us that are professed believers just give Jesus Christ a courtesy wave. And it's just this courtesy wave where we're, we're even just yelling across the room at Jesus. He's somewhere over there in the back corner saying, let's catch up sometime. And you know, if you're, if you're yelling across the room at Jesus Christ, let's catch up sometime, you're in trouble. Life is in trouble. If you're too busy or too distracted to spend time with Jesus Christ, it is over. Life has lost its meaning. And in fact, you're going to have nothing left in the end. If you are yelling across the room at Jesus Christ, let's catch up sometimes, your life is on the brink of disaster. And it's in fact, it's almost as if I was standing on the edge of this platform about to fall off. And it's going to fall off into ruin. If we're yelling at Jesus Christ, let's catch up sometime. Some of us haven't caught up with it yet. Though. We, we, don't, we don't know the weight of this putting off. We haven't yet 
experience the, the full force of the pain of this world. And we're just telling Jesus sometime. We'll, we'll catch up sometime. Now let's look at, at the first part of our, our text for today. should be on the screens. This is uh, the first, first verse here, Matthew 8, 14. So when Jesus came into Peter's home, what a beautiful and personal line that is. We're going to work down through this today. You see Jesus coming into Peter's home. This was Jesus in the flesh, a real and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where, where Peter welcomes him in. And they're going to have this moment of life together in Peter's home. Now, we know from the other, uh, from Matthew and Luke, that also talk about this scene. We know this is also Andrew's home. We know J James and John are there as well. And so there, there's no need in this moment where they tell Jesus either we need time for ourselves or we're, we're going to catch up with you later. Or there, there's none of this that we're gonna, we have to go take care of our mother-in-law. But Jesus comes in. He's invited into the home, and he saw uh, Peter's mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. And in fact, one of the amazing things that happens here, it's similar to last week, where, where Jesus comes into the room, or comes, comes near to the man with leprosy. And Jesus, Jesus is not supposed to come near this man. It's kind of the same thing with this woman. You know, one, she, she's a woman, but, but, but two, she's, she has fever, and, and Jesus is coming in near to her. As we move into Matthew 8, 15, he reaches down, and he touches her hand, and the fever left her. And this is an immediate encounter with Jesus Christ. In fact, when, when Jesus is in the room, once you actually catch up with Jesus, where if you, you look at Jesus and say, oh, oh let, let's catch up now. In fact, when you wave Jesus over and say, Jesus, come into my home, and you invite Jesus in, and you welcome, and you, you open the door as he's standing there and knocking, Jesus comes in, and unthinkable things happen. Right? All Jesus had to do was touch Peter's mother-in-law, and she was immediately well. You see, when, when, when we invite Jesus in and we come near to the Christ, the touch of Christ is always effective. There's no way for the touch of Christ to be ineffective. If, if Christ comes in and the touch of Christ comes upon our lives, that's where you see these miraculous things of Scripture. All of the things in Scripture that we think, how in the world did that happen? It's because it didn't happen in the world. It happened in Jesus Christ. And if we want to see unimaginable things happen in this world, unimaginable things happen in our life, the three things of Scripture seen in a mighty way through this people gathered here together, it happens in Christ. When you're connected with Christ, in touch with Christ, and he's so near that you could feel him and you can touch him. Apart from Christ, none of those things happen. Apart from Christ, we become weak. And alone. See, when we, when we treat Jesus like, like some person that we're never going to call at a reunion, you miss these moments. The moment where, Peter, or, or where Jesus comes into to Peter's home and heals with the perfect touch. We miss these moments. See, it's only near Christ where these blessings come to fruition. When, when we keep Jesus at a safe distance... He's powerless in our lives. Jesus at a safe distance. 
isn't going to realize anything in your heart and in your life. We call Jesus over and say, let's catch up today. Now, as we move, move on to, to verse 16, let's look at verse 16 today. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were, who were ill. Not only is the touch of Christ effective, but the word of Christ is just as effective. When Christ speaks, it's life-changing. When Christ speaks, it's life-changing. When, when we come to the, to the word of God and, and we read that which is read on these pages, it, it waters our heart. Do you think of our heart is, is like a desert? And the words of Jesus Christ come in and bring new life that can be found nowhere else. The, the only way that, that we're, we're, we're brought into this newness of life is through the word of God. You see, everyone, when you, when you work through the gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is teaching, he gives like the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching in the synagogues. You hear them every time, they're, they're blown away by Jesus' word. They're saying, he has complete authority. We've heard rabbis and teachers, we, we've heard people speak in our midst before, but we have never heard anything like that which Jesus Christ speaks. When he speaks, it's with an authority that we don't know. The power of the words of Christ is beyond our imagination. You know, if we keep putting Jesus Christ off, saying, we'll talk to you later, where are we going to go? I mean, we're missing out on the most effective words of life. The most life-giving, the most effective words you will ever hear are from the person of Jesus Christ. If we leave him on the other side of the room saying, we'll talk to you later, our life will be drained into nothingness. In fact, let's look at what we're missing out on. First, let's look at Genesis 1. Genesis 1. We're going to run through several verses quickly here. Then God said, and, and note this phrase in all of them. Then God said, in fact, in Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of our Bible, it is God speaking in a, in a mighty way. And by the sound of his voice, the creative powers come over the expanse of nothingness and, and create all that is. God said, let there be light. And there was light. It, it was God's word had to be effective. Let's go to the next one. In, in 1.6, then God said, again, so in this creative process, God speaks, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God speaks and creation begins to happen. Go to the next one, verse 9. God said, again, the, the speaking of God, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. Don't miss that last line there. And it was so. It was perfectly effective when God spoke it. Then 11, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed. See, God is, God is coming. He's speaking this. And as he does, it begins to form fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. When God spoke, it was so. Let's keep going to 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Separate the day from night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. Let's keep going. And let them be for light in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God spoke and it was so. Let's go to Genesis 120. 
Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heaven. Keep going, verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth creatures of their kind, cattle, creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God spoke and it was so. 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, and it was so. That's how this begins. And this is how we need to understand the effective and powerful word of God. God speaks, and it is so. And when we hear a word from the Lord, that is the truth that rings as truth for all eternity. It, it is not bound in the temporal, and it does not have an expiration date. It is the truth, and it is so. And so we, we take God at his word, and when we come in near to Christ, we need a word from the Lord, and it, and it recreates us. It makes us into that which is holy as God speaks his truth into our lives. It is so. And let's continue looking. We'll move out of the Old Testament into the New and look at the power and the word of the Lord. Look at Mark chapter 4. This is Mark chapter 4. This is Jesus. Is, he's been teaching, and then he goes out on the sea with his disciples. If you remember this story, Jesus is laying there asleep. And his disciples come to him and say, how can you sleep? The waves are crashing over the boat. This, this is a dire situation. We don't know if we're going to make it out of this. And you, Lord, are asleep. It's, it's, it's almost an accusation of God. How can you sleep in a time like this? And there, there have been times in our own lives where we have accused God of such the same. God, I can't hear you. God, I can't feel you. God, how can you sleep in a time like this? And his disciples wake him up. This is what happens. He got up. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, hush, be still. And it was so. The wind died down. And it became perfectly calm. When we leave Jesus on the other side of the room saying, we'll talk about it later. We'll catch up later. God, we'll, we'll see you another time. These are the kinds of things that we're missing out on. The, the creative and recreative power of God to stand over the things of this earth and say, hush, be still. In fact, if there's times that, that we need the power of the Lord in our lives, we need his word. We need his touch. We need his nearness. And when he comes in, these are the kinds of things that God does. This is what the kingdom of God is like, where he speaks over creation, hush and be still. Let's, let's look at another one, John 18. So in John 18, verse 4, this is the Garden of Gethsemane scene. In fact, Judas has already betrayed Jesus. And as Judas has betrayed him, he, he comes and finds Jesus. Jesus has been praying. Remember, the disciples have fallen asleep. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to wake them up. And, and then as they come to that end of the scene where Jesus has been praying for us, then the mob begins to come with, with torches and lanterns and weapons, and this mob surrounds in on Jesus Christ. And this is what we get in John 18, 4. So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said to them, I am he. And here, when, when he says, I am he, it was so, and it was effective. And Judas also, 
who was betraying him was standing with them. We'll keep going. And so when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. The, the word of God was powerful and effective enough that those who were standing around him, when he said, I am, he speaks the name of God, the I am that I am, and he speaks that out in truth. Everyone there, those that had come to arrest him, fall back to the ground. And this, this is a reminder of the power of the word of God. When Jesus speaks, it is so. But recognize in the scene, this is the scene from the outside looking in. It looks like Jesus has finally lost control. You see, in the, in the whole rest of the scriptures, you see the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the, everyone trying to entrap Jesus. And every time he gets away, he asks a question, he slips away. They, they can't contain the Christ. He, he still continues to speak the truth. But in this moment, after Jesus says, it's not my will, but, but yours, Lord, they come in, and it looks like evil has won. It looks like the Romans have won. It looks like humanity has won. They've finally taken the Christ down for 30 pieces of silver. They've gotten him entrapped. And Jesus submits himself to that. And lest we think he's not in control, lest we think this isn't the will of God, when they come in to arrest him, and he says, I am he. They fall to the ground. And that's because the Lord still is in control of all things and in control of everything in our life. And though we meet the most tragic of circumstances, even in the most painful days of our life, God says, I am. And when the truth of God is spoken in the most tragic of circumstances, God redeems it for, for his holiness and for his goodness. And God takes care of us as only he can. You see, the word of Christ is as effective as nothing else on this earth, earth is. We cannot leave our conversations with Jesus to another day. We can't even leave our conversations with Jesus until tomorrow. If we leave them until tomorrow, there's no telling what's going to happen between now and tomorrow. We can't tell Jesus next. We can't tell Jesus later. If we leave Jesus till later... Our lives are going to unravel into nothingness. There's no other day to catch up with Jesus except today. You know, one of the things that we have to recognize through these healing scenes, like the leper last week, uh, Peter's mother-in-law this week, uh, all the people that are brought in unto Jesus, is there are real physical needs that Jesus meets and has met. And he does here. Um, it's, it's the work of the Messiah to meet the physical needs of the people. But we need to understand uh, the truth this morning that there's a much greater need in these scenes than the physical. The deepest, greatest need is the spiritual. You know, we get all caught up in, in the, the healings, in the physical healings of Jesus. And sometimes we even begin to question Jesus when we hurt. You know, we, we end up like Paul. We say, God, why, why don't you take this from me? And so we, we end up questioning God like Paul did. Says, why, don't, why don't you take this? Why don't, why don't you do something with this? When in, when in reality, it's not the physical we, we need to be worried about. It's the spiritual that we need to concern ourselves with. It's, it's, it's the heart that matters. It's what's in your heart that matters. And, and in fact, the most amazing work and most effectual work that Christ did was on the cross. And, and in that work, we're made whole, and, and we have this promise of, of a future. 
And it's all wrapped up in the decay in our life that's caused by sin. And Jesus says that the real enemy here is the disease of sin. The, the power that is binding you is this, this power of evil, of sin over your life. And that's what you need to be released from. In fact, all of us in here need the healing that Jesus Christ offered on the cross. Though not all of us may need healing from leprosy, all of us need the cleansing of our sin that has so built up in our lives, and it's cut us off from God, and it's leading us unto destruction. And Jesus is saying, this is the healing that you need. This is what everybody in this place needs this morning. Your, your wounds that have been caused by sin in your life need to be healed. And this is the promise of Jesus. If you come in near to him, Knowing the touch of Christ, knowing the, the word of Christ, your wounds are healed. You know, it's, it's amazing that so many, even so many in the church, they, they see Jesus, and, and he's, he's over there, and he's, he's doing his thing. They recognize his importance, but they just leave him standing on the other side of the room. Saying, I, I can get to it at a later date. I, I can get to it at another time. In fact, I need, I need more time. We hear this so often when Jesus is pulling on someone's heart. He say, I, I need time to get my life in order. I need, I need time to get things right around me. I need to get things to get right at, at home. I need things to get right at the job. And when, when everything finally gets right, then I can commit my life to Christ, and I can give him my undivided attention. And see, this is our excuse. We, we come to Christ, we say, uh, uh, we'll catch up in a little bit, because I can't give you my undivided attention today. Lord, uh, this, this is us in the best of attention, uh, intentions. I will come to you when I get all the rest of this in order. But the, but the harsh reality of this is that we are incapable of getting it all in order. And we will never be able to get things right enough to stand before the Lord and say, I can finally give you my undivided attention. In fact, the only way we give the Lord our undivided attention is just to surrender to him today and say, all of these other things that I'm dealing with, Lord, they are yours. Come and heal. Come and take these burdens off my life so that we can be made right. Why don't we? You know, it's amazing Everybody else is, is recognizing Christ this morning. Everybody under, understands his importance. I want you to look at a few other verses. Look at Romans one twenty. Romans one twenty. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, nature have been clearly seen, and we'll continue on, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. You need to hear this morning that creation itself is proclaiming the love and glory of our God. The mountains and the sea are evidence of the power and hope and glory of God. Creation is singing the praise of the name of our Lord. And not only is creation singing his praises. Let's look at one more. Look at Luke 4, 41. Creation knows who Jesus is. Luke 4, 41, this is a parallel passage to, to our passage in Matthew this morning, that, that demon-possessed scene. This is the further story of that in Luke 4. Demons also were coming out of many shouting, you are the son of God. And so Jesus rebuked them, and he wouldn't allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. 
The demons knew. They knew who he was. They, they had seen him before. They had experienced him before. They said, that is the Son of God. That is the Messiah. That is the Christ they have been looking for. And so I want you to hear this morning, Cre- creation is singing out, Jesus Christ is Lord. The, the demons have said that they haven't seen it yet, but that's the Lord. That's the Messiah. They know the truth. And let's, let's keep looking. Let's look at, look at one more here. As we go to Matthew 8, 17, this is the end of our text for today. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. And we've got one more. This is Isaiah 53. See, in that text, he's quoting Isaiah 53, 4. And we'll just, we'll leave this one up. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. You can see that it's sickness and pain that surely... Our sickness, Jesus Christ bore, our pain that he's carried upon him. And what you need to recognize is creation is praising the name of Jesus Christ. Creation is telling us the truth of who God is. Even the demons have said, look, that's the Messiah. They say the the scripture itself is open before you. If you go look at the prophets, go look at the Old Testament. They are telling you Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the only hope that you have. He's the only hope of humanity. They're all proclaiming it. The, The church, since the ascension of Christ, is gathered together to proclaim this same thing. Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's the only way out. He's the only source of life in this world. And so everybody is seeing it. Creation is seeing it. The demons are seeing it. The prophets have seen it. Scripture has foretold it. The church has been saying it for 2,000 years. Why are we so confused? Everybody is telling us, go talk to that man. Don't tell Jesus Christ, we're going to catch up later. You see, as as this big heavenly reunion is going on, everybody knows who Jesus Christ is. He's the one. And there we are, yelling across the room, saying, let's catch up sometime. Who are you to leave Jesus to another day? Let's pray together. Our Lord and our Savior, we offer our lives unto you. This day, for you. Not worried about what's next or what's later. But Lord, we we lay down our lives to you. And Lord, as we... As we come to you in this time, we pray that your touch and your word be effective. Break into our hardened hearts. Reveal the sin that needs to be repented of. Lord, come and help us be made whole. Lord, we're we're trusting you. Come, come in near to you and respond like you've been asking us to. We are yours. We surrender. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.
We're going to have a, a time of response now. And everybody in here is going to respond to, to God in some way this morning. Some of us are going to respond to God by saying, um, let's catch up sometime. But, you know, the rest of us are going to respond in obedience. It might be coming forward to kneel and pray. We'll, we'll pray with you. I'll be down front if you want to talk about accepting Christ or being a part of this church. Come, come visit with me. This is the time to talk as we sing. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have plenty of time to visit and pray. Maybe you need to journal where you are. Just stay seated and journal what, what's on your heart, how God's working in you this morning. Maybe you need to gather around somebody else that's in this room. Maybe, maybe you need to go pray with, with somebody in here. Grab them. Pray. We're going to sing. We're going to lift up our voices before the Lord. But I ask you to, to not do it out of habit this morning. If you're going to choose to respond to the Lord by singing, sing from the bottom of your heart. Sing like you believe it. And so how do you need to respond to the Lord this morning? How is God calling you to be obedient? If you need to remain seated, please do. Um, the rest of us, let's, let's stand and respond to our Lord.
is and what he's capable of. Sing it.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.